0: So I'm gonna stay on stage. I'm not sure. Did Pastor Tim warn you guys? <laughs> Warning. Uh, did, um, so I'm gonna stay on stage. I've been I've been prepping our youth for today, graduation Sunday. Uh, I get to share the word of God with you guys, and I am so excited. Now our young people, our young people in the outlet have been asking, like, so does that mean we don't have the outlet? Um, and I am always excited when they ask that to tell them in response, actually, we're, we're having the outlet. We're still having the outlet. We're just having the outlet in the sanctuary, and we're inviting the adults to come along with us. So you guys, you, uh, Pastor Tim said something about crusty. You crusty old people... <laughs> Get to join in with us uh, as we have an outlet service this morning. We're going to share with you guys what's going on. We, uh, I'm not sure if you guys know this, but God gave us a word that we were supposed to have a unified curriculum in this church. Now, what that means is that whatever the adults are learning about, is also being taught in youth group. So we make sure that we are teaching the same themes, the same passages, and we are applying that to young people. So you will see kind of how I do that this morning uh, in terms of youth group, but the same thing happens for life kids also. It gets um, it gets to their level, but it goes with the same themes and the same passages on how the young people can also uh, work on not telling lies or not being angry or, or what it is that we're going through uh, as we go through the book of Ephesians. So the first thing that we're going to do this morning is and, and when we go to the outlet, we usually have worship, we have some games and stuff, we do some fun time community building. And then when we get to the point where we're going to get into the message, uh, I'm going to give you the passage in just a second, but in youth group, I always, I'm old school and I hand out pieces of paper. So we, get, we have pieces of paper for all of you guys this morning, uh, if some of you guys want to help me out. The ones with the holes are for young people. Uh, The ones without the holes are for old people. Uh, And at this time, if you have a binder, the binders are over here on the right. Go ahead and grab your binder. Hopefully you guys have some pens. I might have a couple extra if you don't have pens. Uh, If you just want to take a picture and do it digitally, convert to PDF, uh, markup, however you want to do that. Uh, so we're going to take a moment right here as we, as we go in uh, with handing out the sheets. Thank you guys for all of your help. Uh, hopefully, we, I mean, hopefully we have enough pens. So like I mentioned, you, you will get a paper. Uh, It's coming around to you right now. Uh, Like I mentioned, in the outlet, we, we make no reservations about playing games and doing things that are fun as well as getting deep into God's word because I think that for a youth group, for a youth ministry, it is just as important to know that you have friends that are going through the same things as you, to have a community of people you can rely on, to, to have people that you can have fun with, to have people that you know are kind of going through the same types of things as you in school. So we have no reservation about doing things that would build community. We play games. I was. Uh, I told them we're gonna have the outlet in the sanctuary. Is that, they're like, are we gonna play a game? We're we gonna play Scategory. I wanted to play a game with all of you guys, uh, but I decided to be boring, uh, knowing that we were handing out certificates and stuff like that. So I don't have a game for you guys, uh, but I feel like we're gonna be uh, feel like a sense of unity as we get into the Word together, and as we uh, all have our little note page. This is the exact same note page that I would be handing out in the youth group if we were just in the outlet or, since we're in here with you guys today. Is there anyone that did not get a note page? Hanny. Oh, a couple over here still. uh, Pace. And, yeah, thank you. Uh, I mean, Lonnie did a little bit, but. So, if you can, can already tell, youth ministry might not be as polished Uh, as adult ministry. Actually, I'm not in here that much, so I don't know how polished it is in in here after we leave. Um, But before we even get into the Word, I'm sure it's amazing. Uh, But before we get into the Word, I just, I want to shout out our young people real quick. Uh, Our young people do love the Lord. Uh, And and it was awesome. Uh, Obviously, Pastor Tim already mentioned lyric praying over over people and them getting healed we we mentioned Joey being able to be excited uh, but we and and obviously you saw our worship team our worship team this morning had three young ladies that were were amazing uh, we had Asher playing keys uh, we had Elijah who is an outlet leader uh, and learned to play guitar while he was in the outlet um, and, and then I and then uh the rest of us old people. <laughs> um, but we were not, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to say we a lot when I talk about the youth group because they're going to keep me young, okay? Um, we were not trying to show you guys something that we do. We just flat out were leading you guys in worship they didn't want to you look at them for them to get praise uh they didn't want you to look at them to see how good they could sing uh we didn't want to show you guys what the outlet does we just wanted to lead and join you guys in worship uh so hopefully you guys were able to join in with us uh for worship this morning and the same thing like we we want to give them honor and give them credit because they're doing a great job and it's amazing to watch them do what they do Um, but when we come up here and we get moments and we're afforded some moments to be on stage and to lead our church, um, we don't do those things just to show you guys who we are or what we do. We do these things to actually lead out in the church. So our church believes in a multi-generational ministry that you're not too young to serve God. You're not too old to serve God. If there is breath in your lungs, you can serve God. Um, so yeah, give it up one more time for the worship team. Great job. Um, all right. Open up your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm really excited because uh, you are going to get to see, like I said, not only what what God is saying through Scripture and get a message about what is happening in the book of Ephesians, but hopefully you're going to get to uh, see how Scripture can come alive in your life and how we can uh, translate translate it to a a younger generation, Uh, especially something like today, and you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. But in general, when we've been talking about Ephesians, I've been liking to read through to where we are to kind of give us a little bit of a reminder of where we've been through the book of Ephesians. So I'm going to go through that, and then I'm going to need some volunteers in just a second. All right. Therefore, I, a prisoner For serving the Lord, this is Ephesians 4, verse 1, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one spirit. Just have you been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith one baptism, one God and Father of all who is in all and living through all. I like the unity that we talked about at the beginning of the passage here, the unity that is not only um, within our church between the older and the younger, um, but also the unity within the church, between churches. Uh, God is... Than all the heavens, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. I'm going to pause right there. When I taught this to the young people, um, I think that there was kind of a sentiment and a thought that some of these roles were only after you became an adult or maybe only after you went to Bible college or maybe only after you have accomplished something as, uh, as an older person or ha- had faith in Jesus for so, so much amount of time. But I was able to teach it in a way that they were able to understand and relate To a lot of these gifts and see how um, in their lives and in their classrooms, if they're one that is uh, always going to be understanding, even if you're in math class, if you're understanding, but then you are the one to go around and help the person next to you, maybe you have that gifting of teaching where someone might not understand something, and you do, and you want to teach it. Now, obviously, biblically, we want to be teachers of the word, but I think the gifts that God has given us are inside of us and come out in other areas of our lives. So trying to teach them, if you feel that way or feel like you've acted that way, that is a gifting that you need to nurture. Sorry, I have a, I, I could say a lot, but I'm going to keep going quickly to get to today's passage. Um, This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to full and complete standards of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies, so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I love that passage and when I teach it to young people. Some some young people and I'm, I'm an older person, so some old people also sometimes don't feel comfortable in their own skin, don't feel comfortable who they are or their place. Um, but the encouragement there is that God has given us each unique giftings, and we're all different, and that is beautiful, and that is awesome as we are all serving God together in different ways. And you, uh, I, I like to teach this to the young people in this way, how the, the church has many parts and we all serve a role to make one body. And obviously you can think of the physical body and you can think of how a body has two arms and two legs. And someone says, oh, I might, I might not want to be a toe because toes are kind of gross. The, the, kids, the kids these days don't want their dogs out in the open. Someone, you'll wear sandals nowadays, and like something that used to be normal. You could just wear sandals. Uh, I I was going to Catalina recently, and I had had my sandals on. And and the kids are like, oh, Mr. Saltzman, why you got your dogs out? I'm like, I'm just wearing sandals. We're going to an island. I thought that was cool. Um, But the young people are all of a sudden like, I don't want to be a foot because feet are stinky. And then another person uh, says, oh, well, if I don't want to be a foot, maybe I want to be a hand so I could be helpful to do things. But when you look at the body... Can you imagine what a body would look like if it didn't have two hands, if it had three or four hands? Now, that might be helpful, but it wouldn't work how it was intended to work. We all have a special place in the body. So embrace the giftings that God has given you. Uh, I'm not even to where we are yet. We're in verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from life. God gives because they have closed their minds, they have hardened their hearts against Him, they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let our neighbors tell the truth. Um, sorry, let us tell our neighbors the truth. I'm like, that doesn't sound right. For we are all part of the same body. That was a, a fun one in youth group. Stop telling lies. Uh, 26. This was last week. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger Gives a foothold to the devil. Um, I'm pausing right there because we're going to get to the next passage in just a second. And and this has been fun going through these specific teachings that, that can be very practical, but are also spiritual. As we practice spiritual disciplines, we draw closer to God. As we read the word, we draw closer to God. As we apply it to our lives, we draw closer to God. Pastor Tim mentioned the spiritual discipline of of celebration, of honoring someone who has uh, accomplished something. Uh, In youth group, we talk about spiritual disciplines uh, of being quiet. And it's actually wild because sometimes you think that uh, a middle school and high school group can't be quiet. But on on Wednesday nights, I'll, I'll get to a point and I'll quiet everyone down. I say, let's focus on God. There's, there's times when uh, we go through and we teach how prayer is a spiritual discipline, worship is a spiritual discipline, Sabbath and rest is a spiritual discipline. When we practice these things, we get closer to God. And as, as we have been learning and going through Ephesians chapter 4, it has been so practical to find ways where we can draw closer to God. Some of these things are very super practical. And as we get to today's passage I have three points that I'm going to give you guys that are going to be very practical, but also very deep. So, our passage today, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Do I have someone in here that would like to read it for us? They knew it was coming. Uh, all right, I think I saw Ginny's hand first. I'm going to come to you. Sorry. I'm, you're good with the microphone? If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to, the, to others in need. Yes! Thank you, Ginny. Um, so today, our, our message is very practical and very easy. If you didn't see me, well, that's very loud. Uh, if you didn't see me give candy, I always give candy in the youth group. I'm like, I'm bringing the candy jar. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to those in need. Um, I like to tell the young people, so on your page there, I would usually have one and I didn't grab one for myself. Uh, There's a section that says, quit stealing. Go ahead and underline that. Underline quit stealing. Underline quit stealing. Point number one today. I feel like quit stealing gives a connotation that you have been stealing, so I don't want to assume that you guys have been stealing. So point number one today is just going to say, don't steal. Very practical, very easy. Don't steal. Uh, I think that as we, and I teach this to young people, so I'm not just saying it to try to impress you guys, but as we study the Word of God, we have to use a good hermeneutic. Uh, Hermeneutics are the way that we... uh, interpret scripture. Um, and a good hermeneutic would be a historical, grammatical hermeneutic. So it has to mean what it meant at the time. Uh, and with what it is saying, it has to mean what it says. So historical, grammatical. Uh, we're not going to change it to fit what we think it says. It has to mean what it meant. The Bible could never mean what it never meant. Um, so I teach that to young people. Um, and and as we read this, I'm it says, don't steal. So very practically says, don't steal. Uh, But I'm going to talk about a couple ways that I feel like we could be stealing uh, in our lives that I think God wants to help us with, Uh, very practically. Hopefully you're not uh, showing up to to Walmart and trying to go through the self-checkout and getting a couple extra things in there. Hopefully, you're not going and going for the five-finger discount. Hopefully, uh, you're not at home taking something that is not yours. Um, I don't want to call you guys out for, like, maybe going in your sibling's closet. I guess that's not really stealing because I'm sure you're going to give it back. But stealing is what it means. Stealing. But when we think about Scripture, when Scripture talks about what matters most— What matters most is not money, right? What matters most in Scripture, it talks about, is our relationship with God. It talks about our, our righteousness and how close we are uh, with him. And, and like I said, I'm not going to make this mean something that it doesn't mean. But I think there are other areas in our lives um, that we have been guilty of stealing from other people. And I'm talking about people's joy, I'm talking about their well-standing in their relationship with God. I'm talking about their salvation and how they're living. Because that is the most important thing. That's more important than gold or silver, right? Scripture says that. More important than, uh, than pearls, more important than anything else is our relationship with God, is, is, is how we are with him. And when we talk about right here, when it says don't steal, well, I think about something that should be valuable, right? And to me, the most valuable thing is my relationship with God, and when I have a relationship with God, I should have the fruit of the Spirit, so I I should have joy. And for some reason even within the Christian world, even within churches, even at a Christian school, even in our families, for some reason we get caught up, and this kind of goes back to last week a little bit, we get caught up for some reason saying the mean and nasty thing that is going to tear someone down rather than building someone up. And I think it is so important when we talk about stealing, when we talk about taking something that is not ours, when we talk about taking something from someone that is of value, I think every situation in your life can be like a transaction. And you have the opportunity to either build someone up with encouraging positive words, or you have the opportunity to tear someone down with your negative words by being mean, by being nasty, by being judgmental. I I, I work at a middle school um, during the week also, so I, I see it all the time, uh, and, and someone feels like they did something mean, so they're going to say something mean, and then like this, this circle where, oh, you did something, so I'm going to say something mean about you, and why why does your hair look like that? Why you parted in the middle now? That's kind of silly. Or why are why you wearing those shoes? I'm, I'm actually saying things that my middle schoolers say to me all the time. Uh, why you part your hair in the middle? Why your shoes look like that? And they might just be saying things because they say a lot of things, but towards each other, they can start actually getting deeper, and, and it starts to weigh on you, and they can start actually tearing people down. When, when I talk about, when, when Scripture talks about don't steal, I think it's important that we be people that are going to think of the transactions of our lives being righteous. So yes, when you go to the store, don't steal the things. Make sure you pay for the things that you're getting. When you're at work, don't steal their time by sitting around doing nothing. We're going to talk about that a little bit in the next point. Uh, But when you're having the interactions on on a daily basis in your lives, so this is what I think might uh, pertain to a lot of young people that don't have jobs and don't have their own money a lot yet. When, When you think about the situations in your lives, And the interactions that you have with other people, think of them like a transaction. I read a book um, many, many years ago. It's called How Full Is Your Bucket? And it talks about just exactly that. How when you have an interaction with someone, you can either add to their bucket by filling them up with water. Or you can take away from their bucket by taking away water. If you are positive, if you're encouraging, if you're loving, then that is That is going to fill their bucket. That is going to fill them up. And that is what God would have us do. The book, How Full Is Your Bucket, is not a Christian book, by the way. Um, But also, if you are mean, if you're mean-spirited, if you're judgmental, if you're tearing people down, you are literally detracting from them and taking away. You are stealing from them, taking their joy, taking that away. And I think we should be people that are not going to steal, even... I think that if we talk about what is more valuable, I think that that those interactions that we have with other people are more important to live righteously than even our it, interactions at a store. Now, don't steal at a store, but also don't steal from others. Don't steal their joy. I have a couple passages just because I want to give out some more candy. Uh, Exodus twenty fifteen. You got to be there. Exodus twenty fifteen. You got to be there. Adults, you guys are slower than the young ones. Exodus 20:15. It's simple. Hannah, you there? All right. <laughs> this one's really easy. You must not steal. It's in the Ten Commandments. It's in the Ten Commandments. Don't steal from others. Also, the other part, uh, and I'm going to say this, and I want you to have it in your Bible rather than just saying it from memory, because hopefully, uh, um, well, maybe a lot of you guys have this memorized. Uh, Proverbs 18:21. Oh, I I brought the wrong thing. I brought my phone. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Uh, That is a passage that I think a lot of us know here at the church. Uh, It has to do with when we speak, we have the opportunity to speak life, or to speak death. And not only will we have that interaction with other people where we're speaking life or speaking death, where we're either building them up or tearing them down, but also it says, those who love it will eat of its fruit. If you are one who is positive, then you are gonna be an atmosphere of positivity and you will have that atmosphere around you. But if you are one who is negative, who is destructive, who is hurtful, then don't be surprised when you find yourself in an atmosphere of negativity, of hurt and destruction. If you find yourself in that place already and you want to get yourself out, then speak life. Declare God's goodness over your situation. Not not trying to 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 be fake or false about what you're going through, but even in a tough situation, even in if you feel like you're in a place of negativity and despair, you can still say even in this moment, God, you are good. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I know that you have promised to never leave me or forsake me. I know that you have said that you are going to be with me forever. And God, I stand on those promises, and I put my faith and my hope in you, even in these dark times. And I know that you are good, and I know that you are love. And as you continue talking and speaking life, you will see the atmosphere around you begin to change. You will start to notice that there are things around you beginning to change when you start to focus on what is good rather than what else is bad. So, in your life, don't steal from others, don't steal from the stores, don't steal in your interactions daily with other people because you have the power to speak life or to speak death, to pump someone up or to tear them down. Point number two. Underline the section that says, good hard work. Underline that in your passage, good hard work. And that is our um, that is our point number two this morning. Just work hard. Normally, like, the passage isn't as straightforward as it is today. Normally, like, the points are, well, there's more difference or nuance to it. The, the scripture today just worked out perfectly that it's like I can drag these words perfectly. So if we're not stealing, second one, we should be working hard. So I think we can go back, and I kind of mentioned it in point number one. Uh, I think that some, sometimes it could be stealing from the companies that we work for if you say you're doing something and you're not doing it. That's just being dishonest. Um, And I think that that is something that we need to stay away from. I think that Christians in every sector of lives should be the most successful because we have God on our side. I think that if we are going to be diligent and if we are going to work hard, then we will be rewarded. Uh, I think that God wants us to work hard. So will someone find Colossians 3.23 for me? Nate, you're at it? There you go. Colossians 3 23. I, I don't think the older folk are trying, or you guys are just are just really fast. Colossians 3, 23. Work willingly at what you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Um, so it said, work diligently. Work hard as if you are working for God and not for man. So whatever you are doing in your lives, so some of us older folk, it might be our jobs. It might be our chores around the house, you know, uh, the things that you don't necessarily want to do, but got to get done. When you're at work, um, and it might not be your idea to to have the staff meeting and go and sit through this stuff, or it might not be your idea to do that thing that, that you're supposed to be doing. It might not be your idea, but when you're at work and that is your job, don't do it for your boss. Don't just do it for your company, but everything that we do, we should work hard and do it as if we are serving God with what we are doing. I think that that would change our perspective, and sometimes we can get some bad attitudes at work, you know? Uh, I worked at a place for 17 years that I was not about. I mean, I liked the people. I think God wanted me to uh, be in a place where I can have some good relationships with people and, and speak his love into certain situations, but I really didn't care about making double-doubles or making french fries or, or doing all of those things. It was not a passion of mine. Uh, I actually, I have a funny funny story about uh, about Jasmine's dad. He asked me one time, uh, so, so Brunel asked me one time, he was my store manager for many years, we were working at Sand Canyon In-N-Out, he asked me, what are you passionate about? Literally, out, at work, at In-N-Out. And I kind of thought about it, and I'm like, like, what do we do here that you're passionate about? And I and my answer like I, th- I had to think about it for a while, and my answer was packaging food properly. I literally I and it was like the most weird answer, and I n- understand that it was a weird answer, <laughs> and I don't know why it came out that way. <laughs> and he's like, like you mean like putting the things in the bag properly? And, and I'm like, I. I yeah, I mean, I guess making sure people get the right food that they're supposed to get, so they get what they order. I, I, I honestly don't know why I said it that way, but then he, he's like reeling back, like we're having a meeting, a, a manager's meeting about how we're d- working, and then, and then I said, honestly, Brunel, I, I, I don't care about the, the, the stuff that we do, but I do care about our associates, and he said, well, that's what you're passionate about. So. Um, And I said, I guess you're right. I I'm like, I thought you meant something like about the food or how we serve things and stuff like that. Uh, And and then we were able to talk further about how um, I I cared about the people we work with. I cared about the management team and I wanted us to feel like a family who was accomplishing a goal. And then I talked about how the associates, I wanted them to feel like they were fulfilled in their job and were able to get the training they wanted and and, and different things like that. But in the moment, like when he asked me, like, like, honestly, like I wasn't, that's why I said a weird answer. I wasn't passionate about In-N-Out Burger for the burgers, but I was, I was able to find something in my job that I was able to help others still, even though I didn't care about flipping burgers, I didn't p- care about getting the, the best uh, profit and labor lines, I didn't care about ha- making sure we had the perfect stocking and inventory all the time, but I wanted to make sure that the people around me were loved, the people around me uh, were able to accomplish the goals that they had, uh, and... You know, sometimes it in and out it got busy. Sometimes it didn't always look like that. Sometimes it was a lot of, yeah, you go here, and you go here, and you do this, and you go peel potatoes and, and stuff. Like, sometimes it was like that, but when it came down to it and we were having meetings and being able to talk, like, I wasn't passionate about those things, but I was passionate about people. And I think that there's something that you can relate to in your job, even if it's not flipping the burger, building the house, uh, in your classroom, uh, in your office, whatever it is you do, I think that there's something that you can be passionate about and that's what God has doing in your heart and how you relate to the people around you. Uh, for young people, you might not want to take an algebra test. You might not want to take your biology test. You may, may not want to stay up reading a book, listening to a book for your AR goal. You may not want to do some of those things that are put in front of you, but as you are growing up, your main responsibility in terms of societally is to go to school. So if that is what God has for you right now, you should go to school and do the best that you can. You should put in your hard work as if you are pleasing your teachers. No, No, not your teachers. Your classmates? No. As if you're working for God, right? As if you're working for Jesus. So you need to work hard at what it is before you. Don't just like, uh, I'm not going to do that. You should work hard at what is before you as if you're working for the Lord. Uh, I think that that is important to honor God, to draw close to him, to work hard at what what is set before you. Uh, point number three this morning. Underline in your passage where it says, give generously, and then point number three, I just wrote it like this, generosity wins. Well, what do I mean by generosity wins? Generosity is so important, generosity is so important that it should win over some of the other things in our lives. Now, I've said this before uh, to young people, I think I've actually said it in the sanctuary before, But God wants us to live generously, uh, but he also wants us to be able to support our families. Uh, I think that if we were to look at some of the areas of need in our community, we would see um, poverty, we would see homelessness, we would see people that are hungry. Uh, And I think it is important for the church to have an answer to that, but it is not the answer of just one person. It is the answer of people coming together and trying to accomplish a goal. Uh, I think that for us individually, this idea of generosity is important. And I think it should win over, over greed. I think it should win over um, just trying to hold on to things. I, I think it should win over a lot of other things. And it's weird because sometimes, and, and I and I see this in, in weird situations, it's like if you say something is is free at, at, at my middle school. Like It might be like a little sticker, a little styrofoam cross. Sometimes we do some weird things in the in the quads and, and you can get stuff. If you say something's free, for some reason, they, they just want to grab handfuls and handfuls of it. It's free. I might as well take whatever I can, get, get my hands on, right? Um, even though there's Absolutely zero need for the extra stickers or the extra styrofoam cross or, or whatever it is. Like, we have this idea of wanting to hold on to things because we don't know when the next opportunity is that we'll have something free. Or we don't know when the next opportunity is that I'm going to need this little styrofoam cross. Probably never. Um, but since it's free, I'm going to get my hands on it and I'm going to hold on to it. Well, if we allow generosity to win in our heart, we'll have the, the idea and the mindset that God is the one who provides for us. That God is our provider and and we don't need to just grasp onto things that are unnecessary. We don't need to grasp onto things and hold onto things, but we need to still work diligently. We need to still not steal, but we need to know that it is not those random situations that we just need to hold onto things uh, if there's no use or no need. Now, in our lives, and this is, this is a tough thing to talk about, especially like when, when we see a lot of need around us. When, we, when, when you go to Costco, when, you, when, you, when you're going around town, you, you see people that are needy. Um, and I think that it's important to have compassion. I think that it's important to let generosity win in your lives. And in those situations, I've, I've said it like this, if God puts it on your heart, then go for it. And I've done that many times. I, I, I've given some money. I've given food. I've, I've done things like that to be generous and to help. Uh, but there are also plenty of times when I've dr- driven by and I felt compassion, but I didn't feel God necessarily telling me to give. Um, and I am okay with that, knowing that it is in my mind and on my heart to be a generous person. to to be someone who does give. Now, our church has many opportunities, even if you don't have any extra resources for yourself personally. Our church has opportunities. You guys know we serve at Grace Resources. Uh, Now, sometimes we, we bring food, but sometimes you can just show up and serve. And that is a way that you can give generously to someone in need. Well, again, I talked about it earlier, a way to, to give generously, if you think about giving generously, if you just think about money, then, then we're a little held up. And, uh, and I don't want to assume anyone's financial status. But for some reason, when we think of things that have value, a lot of times we go straight to money. But I think it's more important to think of the things that are the most valuable in life. And that is God's love. I think that is salvation. I think that is uh, being close and connected to a Savior. So, So when we hear this word, give generously, what is the most abundant thing in the world around us? It's God's love. And if you don't know God's love, God's love is for you. He wants the best for you. Even when we were still yet sinners, he sent Jesus to die on the cross so that he could take away our debt, so that he could take away our sin, so that we could have a relationship with him. And that is the most valuable and the most abundant thing in the world is God's love. And for some reason, when we think about generosity, we just our mind blanks on God's love. We just think, I have, oh, I have to give more money, or I have to do this thing, and I'm already tight myself, and I already uh, am not making this, and I already can't do this. And, and, and you just, for some reason, we think straight to money, but I'm telling you right now, the most important thing that you can give anyone else is God's love. The most important thing that you can give generously If generosity wins, the most important thing you can be generous with is God's love. Well, what does generosity with God's love look like? It looks different in our lives, but let me tell you, love is patient and kind. When someone is rude or nasty to you, love does not respond with anger. Love sees past a person, how they're acting right now, and it sees to who created them to be. It sees their potential. It sees who they could be. And a lot of times when we want to respond with anger, a way that you can give generously with love is to not get angry back at them. Maybe you're in a tough situation and you need to remove yourself. I kind of talked about this last week. And you need to regroup and you let, let God do some work. But I think that if we're called to live generously and we only think about money, we're just stifling ourselves. When God says to give generously, I think the most important thing is to give God's love. I think it's important to see the person at work or at school who's off on the sideline, who's off on the wayside, who's alone, and to give them a friend to be there with them. I think it's important to go and to be the person who is loving, Who's encouraging? I think it's important to be the person who's going to seek unity and seek health and seek reconciliation. I think these things are so important. But when we think about generosity, we just we just think about the the money that's going to cost us, and honestly, the money is so uh, little value compared to God's love. So. I think that as this scripture is talking about to live generously, yes, we we need to be able to cover people's needs. We need to be able to have compassion for the people that, that that are hurting and need help. But I think the number one way that we can give generously is to share God's love, is to, again, speak life is to change the atmosphere, to change your work, to change your classroom, to change your family by speaking life into those situations, by being the encourager, by being the person, why is that person so bubbly all the time? I didn't get my coffee yet. Why are you so happy? Because I... Cause Because I have the love of Jesus in my heart. Because this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm not going to let anything tear me down. I'm not going to let this work environment tear me down. I'm not going to let anything else tear me down. Because I got the love of God bubbling out of me. And if you notice it, then it's working. Right? If you notice it, then it's working. And my challenge to you this morning, when we think of generosity... When we think of of letting generosity win in your life, and you know the love of Jesus, if you know the love of Jesus, and you are not carrying that love wherever you go, then you are being stingy, you are being greedy, and you are being selfish. God is calling you to be generous with God's love wherever you go. Let me pray for you this morning. God, I pray right now that you would stir that up inside of our hearts that we would know your love in a deep, profound way, but we would not be stingy with your love. We would be generous because your love is so abundant. Your love is so great. The God who put all the stars in the sky, who knows them by name, knows me specifically. God, we thank you for that love. And I pray that that love would change and define our lives. And God, I pray that as we are learning about generosity this morning that we would learn to be a person that is not holding our hands tight and closed, but we are holding our hands open. That we're being people that move with compassion, that seek to help needs. But God, I pray that you would give us a deep passion to show your love wherever we go. God, I pray that you would give us a deep passion to show your love wherever we go. That we would be the encourager, that we would be the uplifter, that we would be bubbly, that we would be kind. And God, I pray that you would use us to be an outlet of your love wherever we go, that you would fill us up to overfull, to overfilling. And that we would share that love wherever we go. God, I pray that we would be a generous people. God, I pray that you would work in our lives. God, I thank you again for the young people that are moving on to new chapters of their lives. I thank you for the young people that are coming into the outlet from kids' ministry. I thank you and honor you for the ones that are going into high school, a new chapter, and the ones graduating from high school. God, I pray that we can celebrate and honor them. But God, I pray that things like we've learned today would stick with them forever the rest of their lives. And God, I pray that us old, crusty people would not be left in the dust, but we too would grasp what you have for us because learning is not just for young people. God, I pray that we would be people who are constantly seeking what you have for us. And God, today I pray that our hearts would be overwhelmed with the the spirit of generosity, that we would give freely of your love. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.